KUOZ 100.5 is an FCC-licensed radio station operated by the University of the Ozarks, Clarksville, Arkansas. Hello, and thank you for tuning in. You are listening to From the Concert Hall, your source for classical music here on KUOZ 100.5 FM, your hometown radio station from the University of the Ozarks here in Clarksville, Arkansas. Now please sit back, relax, and enjoy, as we have the privilege of taking you back in time for this next hour, right here in our very own Little Concert Hall. Thank you for tuning in to From the Concert Hall. I'm your host tonight, Corbin Sturch. Thank every, I'd like to thank everyone for tuning in and joining us for what will be now our third season of From the Concert Hall. It's been a long road to get here, and we're very excited to go into this season with everybody. And tonight joining me is our, one of our two new hosts this year. Annika, would you like to introduce yourself and tell us just a bit about yourself and your experience in the arts? Um, sure. My name is Annika Wilcox. I am a income. I'm a freshman here at U of O. I have been participating in musical arts since fifth grade when I started playing piano. Um, I also play saxophone and um, clarinet, saxophone, and piano. So I'm really excited to be co-hosting with you today. Now you've actually had quite a few really cool mentions with clarinet. You've gone some really interesting places. Would you like to tell us a bit about that? Um, yeah, actually, let's see, I competed at a state level all region, so all state, I guess it's in Arkansas, it's all state, so I did all state, I won solo and ensemble first division 14 times, I won state level solo and ensemble first division twice, I was a drum major twice, I did competitive marching band, Um, I also did competitive concert piano when I was younger, so. You did concert piano? Mm Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, I guess we do have a lot of things in common. A lot of what people don't realize whenever we're looking for new hosts for the show, whenever these openings happen, not that they happen very often at all, we look for people who have experience in the arts and arts leadership at a high level. So we're looking for people who really understand the arts. This is something we got into at the finale of season one of From the Concert Hall, and that they didn't realize that what we were looking for was really a just this ornately well-rounded person to, I mean, to be these things in the arts that we needed them to be. People don't think about that whenever we're looking for people for the show. But, I mean, you never know what you're going to get when you go into the arts, and that's kind of the fun of it. Right. I definitely agree. I think that everybody in the field like, who's interested or partakes in the field of arts has something really shocking to them, something that you probably wouldn't guess. You can always meet someone and find out something completely interesting that you probably never would have guessed by looking at them. So, Right. I, I absolutely agree. Now, this season, we're doing something totally different than what we've done before. Is And that's called, we're, we're calling the season Breaking Down the Orchestra. And so what we're going to be doing throughout this season with not only you, but with our other host, Jeremy Jacobs, who we're going to introduce later this week. Uh, Actually, we're going to be introducing all of our new cast and crew here from the concert hall. So not only you, Annika, but also Jeremy. And we have a new director of public public relations this year, Brianna Bates. Uh, She's going to be handling a lot of our Facebook and Instagram and Twitter accounts. But a lot of what we're going to be doing this year is bringing in more artists, doing more live music that people didn't really know. Something we haven't done really since season one. Uh, I mean, we did do this a lot in season one, but season two, we kind of got away from it. And so this season, we're going to be bringing in different instrumentalists. And each week, we're going to look at a different part of the orchestra, a different instrumentalist or a different facet of the orchestra. But this week, what we're really going to be trying to do is explain what the orchestra really is. Now, 
before we do this, I actually just got handed a bit of news, a, a bit of local community news. Annika, would you care to tell us a bit about that? Sure. On Tuesday, March 29th, the Clarksville Lions Club will host an all-you-can-eat pancake breakfast at the First United Methodist Church. The pancake bref breakfast starts at 6.30 and ends at 12.30 p.m. If you pay in advance, the cost is $5 per person and $3 for children 12 and under. If you pay on March 29th, the price at the door will be $5.50 per person and $3.50 for 12 children's age 12 and under. If you cannot make it to First Methodist Church, the Clarksville Lions Club are offering deliveries on five or more orders only. So get your tickets for all-you-can-eat pancake breakfast as soon as possible. I remember when they did that. They seem to do this a lot throughout the year. I really recommend anyone going. I mean, they really know what they're doing with these pancake breakfasts. Yeah, I mean, it's it's breakfast. It's pancakes. <laughs> Who wouldn't go? <laughs> right, and as college students, if, you, if we all group together and order things, we can get them delivered. And mm -hmm. Saves walking out to the cafeteria on these cold mornings. Well, For sure. Cold mornings. It's not been much of a winter here. <laughs> it's trying. Right. So, just to start off, I'm curious, Annika, when you hear the term orchestra, what does that term mean to you? It means something different to all of us, but whenever you think of an orchestra, what do you think of? Well, I think of an orchestra as a unit. I automatically, like, I just... I saw a play on Broadway. I saw Wicked on Broadway about a year ago. So I just kind of automatically tune into that. But it's interesting because I have a friend who's very science heavy. They love science. And when I was trying to explain to them what an orchestra is, I explained it like an organism. And I think that's one really good example of how or orchestras can look like something different to everyone, how they can be applied. And like if you're into science, it just it's an organism. If you're into music, it's it's one orchestra. It's a whole piece of individuals interested in the same thing. I really like that explanation. I've actually never thought of describing it that way. To be quite honest, whenever I think of an orchestra, I just kind of think of it as a group of people. But looking at it the way you're looking at it, actually, I really like that. It puts a new twist on things. It kind of makes it easier to understand in imagining how the orchestra works in and of itself because when we think of an orchestra we don't realize that it really is a whole lot of parts that make up the whole so it really working is a lot like an organism it's got the different parts within the body that make up the human it's my, the analogy I'm going to use here right and I mean if you're into literature it could be if you really like to read you could look at it like a good book every 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 instrument a paragraph forming together to make something beautiful if you're interested in writing it could be easily be like an essay where you're getting all the little pieces and you're putting it together to make something beautiful if you're into science it's one organism with everything functioning together in a symbiotic relationship exactly I i'm glad you used that analogy i really am so orchestras have been around for really as long as music has been around Officially, the orchestra really began getting formed in the early Renaissance. We saw it especially early in the 17th century with the opera Orfeo, which is by Claudio Monteverdi. It's the oldest surviving opera we have. And if you remember season one, we actually went through all five acts of that opera. Uh, it's really quite beautiful. But the orchestra... The term hasn't always been around, but as long as there have been instruments, people have been putting instruments together in various combinations to try to make new forms of music. It's human nature to experiment and try new things, and music absolutely fits within those parameters of human nature. So when you think of the orchestra, the term itself really comes from the Renaissance and has evolved since then, but really the orchestra has always been there. I agree. I think that, and I think people make music all the time, now as well as then, and had no idea, and still have no idea, you know, every time you tap a cool beat on your desk, you're you're actually making music, and so I think that we actually, we probably had music a long time before people recognized it as music. Right. That's something a lot of modern and postmodern composers have really been playing off of. John Cage, for example, and we're going to be looking at him here in the next week or so took that to an extreme, and that everything around you can be music. We look at the 4-minute and 33-second symphony. It's the musician would go up and sit and start his timer or start his count 
and all the noise, all the ambiance around him was the music. And that, that's the point they were trying to convey. And that's, when, we, when I think of modern music, that's a lot of what they're trying to push, is that anything can be music. Anything around you, from raindrops to the air duct above you, anything. And really, it's, it's quite an interesting take on things, I think. I agree, and I also think that, you know, you can really connect with that on a... I think it makes you look at the wor world in a very different way once you recognize those things as music. Because once you see rain, you don't think, man, I can't go have that picnic today. You think, wow, that's beautiful. Like, I want to listen to it. So I think it actually changes who you are in a way to, to see the world as, as music instead of just noise. Right. Um, so interesting fact about the orchestra. You know, we mentioned the opera Orfeo from 1607. When Monteverdi organized that opera, because back then they really didn't specify what instruments were used for what, he was one of the first people to do that. And he actually could be credited for developing what could be considered the modern orchestra because he sectioned things off the way an orchestra would. He had two violins, four flutes, two large and two medium, two oboes, two cornets, which are small wooden trumpets, four trumpets, five trombones, a harp, two harpsichords even, and three small organs. Wow. That is about how it's divided now. So, <laughs> so No, really. And he really did think about sectioning it off. So it's interesting that even, you know, we think the orchestra would have been formed a lot earlier, but really the orchestra is such a new invention in music, a new, a new point of style in music. I think originally it was probably underestimated, sectioning different instruments and different sounds to create one sound. So that's uh, that's definitely something very influential is the fact. That, and how much time must it have taken to think, wow, this will be a good balance and just play with that and mess with that. And that's modern as well as like composers are still messing with things and seeing, wow, how does this sound when I take out this, this piano and replace it with this woodwind, etc. Exactly. And that's going to be a lot of what we look at as we go through this series this semester is figuring out how those little things can be tweaked or worked into the orchestra as a whole. A lot of thought goes into these composers choosing what they do, and it's like artists painting a picture. You have different colors you want in different places. You don't want to paint your sky bright purple. I mean, maybe you would, <laughs> but that's not how the average person is going to... They're not going to look at that and think, oh, that's a sky. Uh, <laughs> But our first, our first bit of music up tonight to represent the orchestra is a piece a lot of people know, but they don't realize they know. Uh, it was what we featured in our opening night last season when we were talking about Music of America and Antonin Dvorak. But it's movement number two from his New World Symphony. This is the Largo. People know this as the spiritual going home. But kind of an interesting story on that is that when... This song, this it's not a song actually, when this piece was written, it wasn't intended to be a spiritual. Now, Dvorak, whenever he composed his music and was creating his American style, which is what he was brought here to do, um, he, he was trying to take the folk music and the music of the people and make it into this American style, so to speak. And he was the first one to do that and do it well and define that style, but it was interesting to see people taking from him because they loved it so much or they felt such a connection to it and making it into this really well-known musical. And we hear it all over the place. You can hear it in church. You can hear orchestras playing it. And if you're a Harry Potter fan, you might recognize this piece from when Dumbledore fell from the tower and uh, left the series. But it's really quite a powerful piece and it's why we chose it first in the lineup tonight. It kind of gives you a sense of what all an orchestra can do and gives you a sense of that orchestral sound that we know of and we think of today. So here it is, the New World Symphony's Movement Number no. 2, Largo, by Antonin Dvorak.
KUOZ 100.5 is an FCC-licensed radio station operated by the University of the Ozarks, Clarksville, Arkansas. Thank you for tuning in. You are listening to From the Concert Hall here on KUOZ 100.5 FM, community radio from University of the Ozarks here in Clarksville, Arkansas. Hello, and thank you for tuning back in to From the Concert Hall. I'm your host tonight, Corbin Starch. And I'm your co-host, Annika Wilcox. And thank you all for coming back and joining us for a bit more From the Concert Hall tonight as we talk with you a bit about what the orchestra is and kind of what it means for music. You just heard Antonin Dvorak's New World Symphony Movement 2, which is Largo, or as some people know it, um, Going Home, which was a spiritual that was later derived from its melody. Now... I don't know how you feel, Annika, but whenever I listen to that piece, what really stands out to me not only is the expressiveness of the piece and the grand bits where it's really got that sforzando or when it's just really pianissimo. I don't know. But what truly stands out to me, aside from the emotion, is Dvorak's use of instruments and how occasionally you hear the oboe play over all the rest of the orchestra with the melody or sometimes it's the clarinet or the violin, and I don't know. It just, I love when composers do that. Oh, I absolutely do too. And you can just tell that there's so much emotion and the fluctuation of which instrument takes the lead and then slows down and calms down and then it's right back up again and then it slows down. It's truly a beautiful masterpiece. Agreed. I, I like what you're saying with, you know, the change in tempo and just kind of the emotion it conveys, I think that adds that extra element of realism. Well, I mean, that coupled with the fact this was a live performance. Yes. Oh, what a beautiful <laughs> live performance. I, I always love finding live performances because it really does help play off of our show title, which is from the concert hall. We really do want to bring you these pieces or these topics that are straight out of a concert hall. Right, and I think it's really easy to see that as a religious piece. Like, I personally, I recognize it from church. I'm Presbyterian, and when I hear certain parts of it, it kind of takes me back. So it's really it's really easy for me to see that as a religious piece. So I really I appreciate that, and it's so, like, there's so much emotion in it that it just it really relates to religion. You're right. You're right. And also in that piece, you see a lot of the what would be later of American style, like you might hear a bit of something that could be later derived as a western style of american music or things of that nature you know there's there's a lot of different types of orchestras though anytime a lot of people think of the orchestra they only think of the classical symphony orchestra right. annika would you like to talk about a few other types of orchestras throughout there well um to my knowledge you're really you really like the pit orchestra but <laughs> <laughs> that's just that's speaking from personal experience. I mean, I've played in a couple smaller wind ensembles or wind orchestras. Right. And I've played with a symphony orchestra, too. But, I mean, the most of my experience has been in pit orchestras, jazz, or jazz orchestras, and bands. See, bands are mostly my experience, but I did do some stuff with jazz orchestra. My school was really, really small, so we didn't actually have an orchestra. But mm-hmm. I traveled so much that I was fortunate enough to be able to take part partake at my other high school that I went to before I came to Arkansas and it was definitely an individual experience I think that each going back to the whole each each like orchestra is an organism thing they really have their own diversity their own their own cell makeup their own body and I think that 
like personally I love jazz orchestra I have a lot of respect for all different types of orchestra but there's something wonderful about jazz orchestra to me and just the way that it can fluctuate in sound and pace and it's just I love it I, I agree and personally for me I relate most with jazz orchestra because that's kind of the era we're growing up with especially as Americans what's easy for us to think of whenever we think of orchestra is is things that are ornately is ornately American and jazz is something that started out as a truly American style of music and so for a lot of people it's just it's easier to think of what we would know than what we wouldn't you know you're only going to think of what you're exposed to because that's all you can think of so I think it's very important that we educate ourselves on the different, like the wide variety, the many types of orchestra there really are. I think that part of the problem of people, of why people always think of orchestra as just classical orchestra is that they're not exposed to the differences. Right. Now, one thing I do love about this modern age is we're starting to see a resurgence in what some might consider classical music. Uh, it's really funny that that's been the term that's been used to dub this style of music because <laughs> really classical is just a period that talks about a certain part of music. You've got romantic, you've got classical, you've got modern, postmodern, you've got what we would consider 21st century music. I mean, there's so many different styles that aren't just classical. That's why every time I write up something about the show, I always put classical in quotation marks. <laughs> <laughs> but we're seeing that resurgence in this classical style of music as we know it. And we're seeing actually more symphony orchestras coming back. I know in Arkansas alone, we've got at least three symphony orchestras. We've got the Fort Smith Symphony, the Northwest Arkansas Symphony Orchestra, and then we've also got the Arkansas Symphony Orchestra. See, I actually, I personally played with the Arkansas Symphony Orchestra. I opened for them at a um, at a competition. I won, and I can't remember what it is. I think it's called the Ensemble of Winds, Arkansas Ensemble of Winds. That yes. And we, uh, I won, and I placed in the band, so it's kind of like all region. And we opened for the Arkansas Symphony, and it was a wonderful experience. But I also saw them when I was a freshman in high school. I just moved to Arkansas, and they were. It was so much different, and it was so incredible to be able to open for them, knowing I had seen them a few years before, and just hear those those differences up close. So, yeah, I completely agree. And they had grown so much, and their sound had grown so much in quality and size. That's true, but we're seeing a resurgence in these orchestras coming back. A new concept that's been coming, well, I say new. (laughs) A more modern concept that's been coming up in the last 50 years is what we call the radio orchestra. There's a lot of orchestras out there now that are orchestras that, instead of being tied to a concert hall or a specific area, their, their sole performance space is the radio. So it could be members of all kinds of other symphony orchestras that come together one or two times a week and perform music just on the radio for everyone live. And it's this amazing concept that's been coming back into popularity lately. Yeah, I'm actually pretty familiar with that. I just The name for sure is Festival of Winds. We were the group that auditioned and opened for the Arkansas, Arkansas Symphony. And so they actually took the first chair of each instrument and paired them with the first chair of each instrument in the Arkansas Symphony. And so they actually went on radio and played live, and it was it was beautiful. It was really impressive, especially knowing they were just high school students paired with these wonderful, talented musicians. It was super fun to listen to. See, now that is one thing I love about the arts. In a lot of disciplines, and sometimes the arts included, you get people who are very exclusionist, people who are very, you have to be at this level or you just aren't worth the time. But one thing I love about the arts, and one thing I love about humanity, is when we see that bit of pure humanity and reaching out and taking someone under our wing or working with someone at each other's level and making something wonderful. That's part of why I love music. Well, music is just a steady progression, especially when you're a a performer. Music is a steady progression, and you're not going to get where you want to be. There's always going to be someone who's better, but you can always learn. There's always something new to learn, no matter what instrument you play. There's always improvement, and so I think it's important that we all realize, like you said, that we are one, and we just have to help each other move up. 
I agree. And I, that's part of why I chose the orchestra as this season's topic. We think about learning and growing. The orchestra is something that truly teaches us that. Not only do we have to learn to grow as an individual, but we have to learn to feel those around us. We have to learn to grow as a group and become better together. And, you know, that saying, you're only as good as your weakest link, truly is true. And this is true not only of orchestras, but any ensemble or any team effort. And so, especially in music, a lot of times you'll see people really going out of their way to help another get better. And right. Even during competitions, I would, I would either do it myself or I would see someone who, you know, you see a kid that's struggling and they play the same instrument as you and you just walk up to them and they're like, or they just walk up to you and they ask for a no or like how to play something. And it's, I've never in my whole life of com- competition, musical competition, seen someone just be like, no, I'm not going to help you. I'm not going to show you that. Even when they're competing against one another, they still want to help one another. Exactly. And that's part of what makes music special to me is just how caring people can be about the subject itself. Now, we've spoken a bit earlier over the jazz orchestra, or what some people might know as the big band or the jazz ensemble. This was, like I said, truly American style. It's made to be extremely expressive. It was made to be edgy. And it was made to be something totally different from the norm and just a way to break out and unleash all these musical feelings and thoughts all at once. They weren't always scripted. They didn't always have notes. Someone would play something and you would join in and it would just build up and be something. And it turned so many musicians into just... It brought out the musicians, so many people, and just became this amazing style of music. Right. Well, <laughs> even now, I'm sure you've gone to a lot of jazz concerts. Yeah. The directors have a lot more um, leeway than more classical classical conductors. They um, they just they have a lot more room to move and breathe. And the artists themselves, the musicians, they have a lot more room as well to kind of add their own personal touch. Right. I mean, when you think about when a musician thinks about jazz music. We don't think about it in the traditional sense. You don't get notes on a page necessarily. Sometimes you might, but not always. A lot of times what you get is called a lead sheet, where you just get chords. <laughs> and you just, you just know to progress through those chords as you're told, and you can freely ad-lib on top of that. And that's part of what makes jazz such a, I really hate to use this term, but such a virgin style of music, and that it really is truly intimate and truly unique in and of itself and can't really be tainted right and of course you can always hear emotion in a piece you can always feel and hear the tone of the piece but in jazz with that being said you can always hear more of the artist individual tone and how he or she is feeling and I think that's really important in music and we often forget that is that the musician themselves is feeling what they're playing and that's so important I agree well, up next in our lineup, we've got I Got Rhythm by the Dorsey Brothers. This is a piece I knew from Pete Orchestra by Gershwin. And it's a wonderful piece. You know, it is, it does have a scripted melody line, but the Dorsey Brothers had their own twist on it. And this is another live performance. This came off an LP. And so, you know, it's going to have that bit of static to it, but it's such a nostalgic piece, and it really allows you to hear early jazz and hear what we mean when we say improvising and doing their own thing. So here it is. I Got Rhythm by the Dorsey Brothers. Enjoy. Thank you. 
You are listening to From the Concert Hall here on KUOZ 100.5 FM, community radio from University of the Ozarks here in Clarksville, Arkansas. Hello, and thank you for tuning in. You are listening to From the Concert Hall. I'm your host tonight, Corbin Sturch. And I'm your co-host, Annika Wilcox. And I hope everyone who's been listening with us has been enjoying the night. Hopefully you've learned a bit more about the orchestra and a bit more about music and trying to understand what it is that goes into music and why people see it the way they do. And hopefully it helps you take a new take on music. Now we're going to be taking a step back in looking at the orchestra and go back to talking a bit more about kind of the operatic or the theatrical orchestra. Today we would call them a pit orchestra. But, I mean, they weren't always called that. But they have always been in a pit. Did you know that? (laughs) I didn't know that. So So used to, and Wagner was kind of famous for this. Uh, The orchestra was in a pit under the stage. And you couldn't see them at all. (laughs) And there was just this little hole for the conductor to see up. And the orchestra's sound just kind of had to emanate from a grill. So people couldn't see the orchestra. And actually it caused a couple stage fires in some places with the um, candles they use for lamps being under the stage. So it caused some problems, but, you know, eventually they worked it out. (laughs) Put the orchestra in front of the stage. Fix that problem. But up next, we're going to be looking at Tchaikovsky and the Nutcracker Suite. Typically we would associate this more with Christmas. But I kind of want to make a note about the fact that When we listen to this piece, Tchaikovsky is very particular about his instrumentation. You know, earlier we talked about instruments in terms of emotion. Here, instruments are used to represent characters. So anytime a character would come on stage, they'd be associated with an instrument. Like whenever we listen to the Nutcracker Suite and the Sugar Plum Fairy, we're going to listen to two up at once here. When we get to the Sugar Plum Fairy, when we hear the celeste, which is kind of like this chimey piano, is really what it is, the glockenspiel played by piano keys um that's was what represented the sugar plum fairy so every time the sugar plum fairy came into the scene the celeste played and so each instrument was associated with the character and that takes orchestration to a whole new level and that's kind of what makes this style of orchestral writing really different is not only are you thinking about the scene but when you're pairing an instrument to a, a character here you're trying to make that instrument's line follow the scene as well and what that character's doing. It really makes this a very hard and very individualistic style of music to write. Yeah, um, he really set, set the bar with this. I think this was completely new when other, other composers were looking at kind of not the same, the same thing, but something different at the same time. No one ever really associated direct characters with direct sounds and it just really it's paved the way for a ton of advancements right before this she would think of what was called light motifs and that a certain phrase would be combined with a character but instrumentation with character was rather new and today with john cage we not john cage i'm sorry john williams we see him going back to the light motifs but here we hear tukovsky playing with light motifs in a different way and i feel like Tchaikovsky as well as John Williams are both very they're two composers that people hear and they're like mm, who's that and they have no realize no no like they don't realize that they've been hearing these people probably half their lives you know from everything on Harry Potter to Jaws to the Nutcracker right so here it is the march of the Nutcracker and also the dance of the Sugar Plum Fairy we're going to play them in sequence so you kind of get an idea of what it is we mean So enjoy these two pieces, and then we'll be right back. (laughs) 
Thank you for tuning in. You're listening to From the Concert Hall here on KUOZ 100.5 FM, community radio from the University of the Ozarks here in Clarksville, Arkansas. Hello, and welcome back to From the Concert Hall. I'm your host tonight, Corbin Sturch. And I'm your co-host, Annika Wilcox. We would both like to thank you all for joining us for the season reintroduction of from the concert hall as we talk this season about the orchestra and as hopefully you join us as we continue the season and break down the little bitty parts of the orchestra and then at the end of the semester and the end of the season put it all back together again it's kind of like Humpty Dumpty <laughs> 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 only he got all back together again <laughs> at least we hope so in listening to the two Tchaikovsky pieces from the Nutcracker I hope you were able to hear what we meant when we said leitmotifs um, we see it here in themes and in instruments, like Annika had said earlier, with John Williams and with Wagner, you saw it with themes, and I mentioned that you see it with instruments here. Certain instruments are attributed to certain characters. Well, with the Tchaikovsky piece here, you see both of these things. You see, like, the celeste is the sugar plum fairy, the horns are the enemy, and the big thing's happening, and it's just... It's a wonderful scene where everything's happening. It's a, actually, it's a wonderful two scenes here. But you almost get a sense of what we mean when we say those light motifs. You can tell what's happening, even though you can't see it. Right. And even if you're not familiar with a, a lot of the songs we've been playing here on the show today, even if you're not familiar with the um, the plays they go with, you can still kind of match these things in your mind. You can follow along and kind of make your own story. Exactly, and that just goes to show how well-written this music is. Well, it's, it's the time of the night we have to sign out and send you off into the evening. We're hoping that everyone has a great weekend, but before we let you go completely, we would like to invite everyone to like our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash from the concert hall. Send us a message, give us feedback, ask us questions. We love connecting with you. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram, we're on SoundCloud at soundcloud.com forward slash from the concert hall. And you can find all your old and favorite episodes on iTunes. We love connecting with you, and hopefully we hope to hear from you. Now, to play us out into the night, we're going to keep playing with these leitmotifs. 
as we listen to John Williams, The Battle of Hogwarts, from the final Harry Potter movie. Uh, it's one of my favorites from the series. I, I think, Annika, hopefully you can attest to. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but we really see these light motifs here and what's happening in this piece. We hope everyone has a safe and happy weekend, and we hope to have you all listening back next week. Have a wonderful night.